Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Welcome, you fluffy little Hufflepuff, to Cop On podcast. My name's Owen, and I'm all jiggly. I'm all jiggly squiggly. I'm all jiggly squiggly wiggly. Because for the third time in five matches at Stamford Bridge, Jurgen Klopp has masterminded a win for the Rocket Reds, his high-flying Rocket Reds, his intergalactic Rocket Reds. 2-1, hoo Here to discuss this match, our season in general, and our next matches against the MK Dons and Sheffield United are Shane in Los Angeles and Majd in New York. Thank you. So very much for listening. I truly mean that. You can follow us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast, email us via CopOnPodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon for just one US dollar per month and you could win some prizes for doing so. Go to patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast or you can simply just share us around, you know. CopOn is like a city bike. Anyone can just sit their buttocks on us and go for a ride. Enjoy the journey, Reds fans. Here we are. Okay, fine. It's 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 incredible. It's um it's quarter to eight here in Paris. Uh, you know the match just finished about fifteen minutes ago. Um, I feel like you know there's that bit, um, in Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys where they just go That's how I feel. Um, I'm with Shane. I'm with Majd. Um, Majd, how are you feeling? I'm feeling amazing after that win. Oh, my God. That was so difficult <laughs> and nerve-wracking. But it feels great. Totally. Totally. And you, Shane, how's, it, how, how's, the, how's the heart? The, the heart was doing really great at first. I was feeling, you know, chipper as ever, like a hummingbird. And then now... I don't know. I just felt like I needed to be surged back to life from uh, from the wall that they put me in. But yeah, I think I think I'm gonna be okay. I've I've done some breathing exercises, so I think I'll be all right. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, yeah. glad you can you can stick with us. Hopefully, for the duration of uh, at least this conversation. There's so much to talk about, gentlemen. There is so much to talk about. Um, you know, there were key moments all over the place. I make a list of key moments in every match uh and uh, this time I've, I've just got tons of them it was a hell of a match of football um i'm gonna start with the context i suppose um Mazd, uh manchester city they can win eight nil they can win nine nil they can win ten nil and i don't know about you but i i love the fact that they hammered watford and they're still five points behind and i hope although it's bad for my heart my health my nerves I hope that there are a few more of these, you know, sort of, you know, you could say a little bit lucky uh, wins for us and Man Man City, excuse me, stomping on the other teams and just remaining five points behind us. Because I think that is more soul sucking than, you know, had it been the other way round. What do you think, Mash? Absolutely. I want us to win the league in the scruffiest way possible. I want it to be ugly. I want it to be disgusting. I want people to be fuming <laughs> that we're winning the league like that. And I don't care what City do. I hope they keep winning 9-0. But we're keeping them at arm's length because they already dropped points. And we are not going to drop too many points. So I hope we keep 
we keep them at arm's length and they can they can do whatever they want. Right now we're in we're in control and our destiny is in our own hands. And I really hope we we win the league in the ugliest way possible because it would just be so satisfying to see people really angry about it. <laughs> it would add to the fume. It would add to so much fuel to the fuming fire of our of our of our opponents. And yes, it's it's so satisfying, Shane. How what do you think of this in context, this win? How huge was it for us? Well, for the context, for one, it's just nice to get another victory uh, against a big six team away on their grounds. Uh, unfortunately, over the past two seasons, we haven't had the best sort of away record against top six teams. But uh, with this win, it kind of really starts to set a new precedent. So within the context of this, yeah, it is a, it is a little nervy, but that is good to show that we can pull it together if we ever sort of slack off, so to speak. <laughs> not, not that not that any of them slacked up at all. I mean, it's it's hard when you go into a game management sort of phase uh, when you're in the match and then letting the energy drop off a little bit. But yeah, it's just nice to know that we can still get a, a win away against a big six team, even if we kind of slack off a little bit. But overall, yeah, I hope uh, I hope Man City are a little bit frustrated that we're keeping this win streak up. Yeah, they surely will be. I mean, looking at it, the, you know, it's now 15 wins in a row. Um, we've equaled City's second best uh, ever run, which came to an end against Tottenham earlier this this season um it's a win streak of 15 in a row i mean it is a, a you know it's a continuation of our club record we're we're three away from 18 wins in a row which is the overall record uh, set by manchester city of course the then having spent i, I checked the other day 668 uh, million net spend compared to our 150 odd in the last five years um, they're an extraordinary team, Maz, but we're only three wins away. Um, I'll check again who we're playing exactly because I was just so focused on on uh, on it's, this game that I, I, I yeah go it's on. It's Sheffield, you know? Leicester, and United away. Sheffield, yes, Leicester and United. So can Ooh. we do it, Maz? I think we can, but it's going to be a little ugly at Old Trafford. I think we can do it. It's just going to get ugly, and we'll have to accept that. Because United right now are looking terrible. They lost a lot of players, injuries, all that stuff. We really should be winning there. But we can talk about that later. Well, yes, we can. Yes, we can. So, Maz, stay with you for this game. We had the lineups. Genie was back, our only change. Uh, Vinaldum was in. Um, a few possible mind games, as they say, uh, from Lampard about the Chelsea lineup because they had uh, the amazing Angolo Kante. And uh, Mason Mount uh, was past fit for them. Um, when you saw that lineup matched, were you, um, I don't know, with the both lineups, were you, how confident were you feeling? I was feeling pretty good because that was the strongest lineup that we can put out right now. Um, it was the right decision to bring Genie back because he usually steps up in those big games and he's been very consistent for us. And yeah, I felt very confident. I knew they were messing about with Kante. The funny thing is he's been injured all season and he's only played two games and both games are against us. So it's a little annoying that he only decides to turn up against us, but who cares? We won anyways. But yeah, very happy with the lineups. Exactly what we expected. Glad I'm glad that uh, Klopp trusted Trent 
with this game because sometimes he rests him for big away games, but I'm really happy he played. Turned out to be a really good decision. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what, what do you have to say about his performance in general? I thought he was really good defensively. He kept everything shut. And I don't think... I remember Kovacic going past him once, but I remember many times where he was really in trouble after that. And, of course, that magnificent, amazing, wow, free kick. That was amazing. That was incredibly... That was jaw-dropping. I was, I was in utter disbelief that he scored that outrageous goal. The guy is a phenomenon. People can criticize his defending as much as they want. We have a game-changer, and he's playing that right back for us. When you have that, a guy that good, it doesn't matter how bad defensively he is. And he's not bad at all. He's actually... He stands his ground and he does really well most of the time. So I'm really happy. I'm really happy about his performance. He really, if he if he decides to add more goals to his game, then the league is in trouble. The Champions League contenders are in trouble because this guy, his his ceiling is really really high. He can go down as one of the best right backs of all time, in my opinion. So amazing performance, big game, big game winner. What a what a what a player. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a jaw-dropping is a good word to to use to describe that free kick, wasn't it, Shane? That's that's the kind of free kick you see it. I would say in all the football that I watch, you see this free kick from just outside the box, sort of once every three games. It, it feels like that, you know. And sort of, I can't remember the last goal I I, I actually saw from that position apart from ones where you hit it under the wall because the wall almost always jumps but this little back heel from Salah to Trent whacking it in the top corner um Roy Keane brought out the old cliche I don't think you could stop it with two keepers which I haven't heard for years um and uh, it was such a clever move jaw dropping what a goal Shane what a goal Oh, yeah. It had me standing up, shouting, screaming. I was elated by by that goal. It was quite the effort. And honestly, I kind of felt it come in. I mean, I think we all did. I think we were all just waiting with bated breath as he was about to take it. Um, but we knew what, based on what Trent has shown us over the past three seasons, what he's capable of, especially from set pieces when taking free kicks like that. Uh, I think Salah with the little back heel just puts it a little bit... Uh, to the right uh, or to the left if you're talking from the defensive point of view just puts it kind of to the side of them and so it's not so directly right in front of their wall and um, yeah he's able just to pick it up bend it and scoop it in and uh, he did it with such force too so um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm extremely happy for him I'm extremely happy for the team what a, what a goal and then what, what was he doing Shakiri's Albanian double eagle celebration. What was he doing there? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at that. I mean, it, didn't Anelka get some kind of fine for doing that? But I don't think it was the same context that Anelka meant it or Shakiri. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was just trying to turn into a dove to fly I, away I saw, because he's a he's a magician. Sorry to interrupt. I saw Jaden Sancho doing that celebration a few days ago. I don't know what that is. Weird. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe it's one of these, I don't know, these these young and very talented English players. Uh, maybe it's a it's a sign so that Sancho's going to come and join us next season. 
that'd be nice. But, you know, who would he replace in the starting lineup? Surely not Bobby Firmino. Um, the second he- uh, goal was a header from Bobby from a free kick, a free header. So two set-piece goals from us today. Um, Bobby Firmino, I counted three times, however, when Bobby gave the ball away, which is way more uh, than uh, he did in the last few matches. Um, Bobby Firmino, I, th- I thought generally our attacking against Napoli as well the, the other day, it actually wasn't so good in open play. Um, I don't know if I'm just being, if I'm being cruel, Mas, but we just didn't seem to have the, you know, all of the gears oiled or, you know, whatever you can say, all of our, you know, our mojo working, our, our guitar of our attack wasn't quite in tune. Yeah, it felt like whenever, like, felt like we never got into that perfect position we want to get into. Like, whenever we gave the ball to Salah or Mane, they were either too deep or we just blasted it over the top for them to chase. So there was never a moment where we gave them the ball in the half space right next to the, right right by the edge of the box where they can link up together. Uh, it's hard. You're right, the attacking wasn't very good. We didn't create much outside of those set pieces. Can't remember anything we created, actually, that much. But I guess that's, that's going to happen. Like You can't expect them to score every single game. It's it's going to happen sometimes. And usually the attack is... like It's a whole team team function. If the whole team is attacking well and and the fullbacks are supporting us well, then, they're, then it's easier for the front three to operate. But sometimes when they're isolated a bit, it's difficult. So I get it. They, they weren't very good. But usually one of them steps up with a goal, so that's all that matters. And Bobby did. Before the goal, he wasn't much, very involved. He couldn't get in the ball too much. We couldn't get in the ball. But as long as they scored, it doesn't matter. So I'm glad they, I'm glad they did. But I'm sure they'll pick it up again and we'll start seeing some sexy football again. Yeah, good answer. It wasn't the sexiest performance. Shane, just to give you a few stats, um, Chelsea had 13 shots to our six only. Um, they only had two shots on target of those 13 that they had, and we had three on target from our six. So to win 2-1, ooh, we were a little bit lucky, you could say. Uh, they edged possession. They had 55% of it to our 45, as if it was necessary to say that. You could do the maths. Um, but our passing accuracy was very poor, Shane, and that's something that was uh, quite obvious, especially in the second half for a very long period uh, of the game. We, we just we couldn't get out. We couldn't hold the ball. Uh, we did well to win it back on a number of occasions. I thought Fabinho, again, was absolutely excellent. But looking at some passing stats, I mean, Trent, as much of a game changer as he is, he only got about 57% passing accuracy for the for the whole match. And um, uh, Jordan Henderson in the first half, his passing accuracy was down at 52%. So Shane, is this something that we clearly need to improve on in terms of, you know, control of the game by keeping the ball? Or should we just give credit to Chelsea because they did very, very well closing us down. And of course, they had the mercurial man who I couldn't believe didn't get the the overall man of the match, Kante. I mean, should, should we just say hats off to Chelsea or is there, you know, something that we definitely could improve on? I I think it's both. I think the answer is yes to both of those. I think maybe I would tip it in the favor of uh, Chelsea's performance. I don't... <laughs> 
I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it feels as if all of uh, Chelsea defend now with like the spirit or like the ferocity at which Lampard like approached every chat tackle in his career. Like there came a point, especially after the first goal, where they are just I, I not maniacal. Maniacal's not the right word, but they're bullish. Like they are just going in as hard, almost as hard as they can, and they are really, they were really just flying at us. I think there's something to be said about being able to connect with passes, but from the from the onset of the start, it appeared to me that Trent, Hendo, and Salah on that right side for like the first five seven minutes of the game, we're trying to do as many one touch flicks. Uh, dummy passes with uh, then setting up Hendo for the diagonal ball. It seemed like we were trying to play as as quick and as light footed as possible uh, for that beginning of that. And it seemed, um, and I from what I could tell is that the battle was really being waged there in the midfield. And really right after the first goal, Chelsea seemed to really ramp it up in terms of just I guess a level of agitation and tension that they they went forward with. Um, so yeah, I definitely think there are some things that we can improve upon. Uh, maybe, I don't know, it's hard to say calm down in a very big game like that because it's a huge game. So I don't know if it's fair just to be like, yeah, they just need to calm down um, because I mean, how could, I mean, I wasn't even calm and I was sitting at home. So I, I think, yeah, I think hats off to Chelsea, but I do think we can we can be a little bit more disciplined. And I mean, honestly, credit to them for from my from what I could tell from my observations is that no matter how hairy or like how scary things got for Chelsea, Aspilicueta, Conte, Willian, and Mason Mount were always trying to push forward. They were definitely, we, uh, I, with the possession, yeah, they, for the predominantly of the second half, they were able to maintain the majority of the possession. And a lot of that had to do with them moving side to side, passing the ball side to side, and being able to, to pin us back in our third. And defensively, we kept running so much back and forth that I felt like we got a little bit leggy and we just couldn't keep up as much, which is hard to say because Klopp seems to drill these teams with sprinting and movement and sort of endurance. I mean, um, but yeah, so just with their movement overall, I was they were able to kind of get past us and shake us up and get in crosses. And then whenever Marcus Alonso was put in, yeah, defensively he isn't great. He didn't really make a challenge at all, and he left Bobby wide open for the goal that Bobby scored on that free header. But Marcus Alonso can put in a cross. And he definitely did that, and he put in dangerous crosses. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you would call them the spine of that team, but those four players were able to disrupt long enough and keep things going. And, and eventually the Chelsea crowd came into it. I mean, for the first 20, 30 minutes, all you could hear was Bobby Firmino and all these other Liverpool songs and chants, which I was all about. But Chelsea really kind of surged forth and kind of regained their voice as they ramped up or ratcheted up the intensity as they were able to go along. Yeah, it's a really good, really interesting answer. Absolutely, yeah. And we talk about the midfield battle and, and that fight for space. They did seem to outnumber us a few times. Yeah, you're right to bring bring that up on, on their left against our right. And I mentioned Jordan, Jordan Henderson's uh, very poor passing um, percentage complete in the first half. Um, was down at 52%. I mean, you know, a good performance, a, 
they seem to say every week, but in case there are new listeners, a good performance is usually around 84%, which coincidentally Jeannie Vijnaldum had today. But that mid- midfield battle was fascinating, wasn't it, Maz, how they did it? Um, Fabinho, for example, in the first half, had uh, the same amount of passes as Henderson uh, in terms of 23 attempts, attempted passes. But in the first half, Fabinho had 100% success rate it was absolutely brilliant although in fairness to hendo uh hendo had you know license to try much more ambitious passes but still fabinho was superb and then in the second half i mean his final passes passing success was down down to 88 percent fabinho fabinho ended up with 88 percent uh passing accuracy so the second half was a lot more difficult for him Majd. and uh vinaldum i mean he only had 26 passes in in the whole match, but he got 84.6. What did you make of that midfield tussle? Um, It was really interesting to watch. I thought it was really good in the first half because there was, it was going back and forth. I thought Fabinho, like you said, played really well. He was, he was uh, swinging the ball from left to right really well and getting it, uh, doing that diagonal pass really well to Salah, to Mane, sometimes to Rabo. So he was doing really well in the first half. I thought Hendo, Got into good positions, but just couldn't find the final ball or lost the ball sometimes. But his energy was evident, and he was okay defensively, like nothing major from our entire midfielders. Genie, I thought he struggled a little bit this game. I just had I have a stat here that he had the fewest touches out of all the midfielders in the game. So he struggled to really influence the game and get on the ball in both halves, really. But he, he's Genie's... Main strength is how disciplined he is and how good he is off the ball in a cutting passing lane. So I guess I understand that, but maybe he could have gotten on the ball more. So in the second half, they really dominated us. Jorginho was sort of dictating the play a little bit in the second half and really getting at us. So we lost the midfield battle in the middle in the second half. I don't know if that's by design or if we just couldn't control the game that much because Chelsea's intensity was ramping up and they felt the momentum. It's difficult to tell. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting stuff. Um, you know, in terms of talking points, uh, a big one from the first half was the was the offside decision. Um, it's offside, so it's offside. There should be no, nothing really to talk about. But the you know the commentators that I was watching in the bar with my friend uh, were the were the British commentators, and uh, most notably that Manchester United um, biased guy, Martin Tyler who kept saying, you know, perhaps it's, uh, you know, it's it's bad that uh, goals get disallowed for being offside. But that's nonsense, isn't it? The VAR, it, I mean, you know, uh, Graham Souness um, gave the other, oh, I think somebody broke wind in the apartment uh, above me and uh, just shook the entire floor of my apartment. Wow. <laughs> um, um, right, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, Graham Souness, he said uh, the, the opposite of Martin Tyler, that, you know, you can't be a little bit pregnant. <laughs> so you're either offside or you're not. You're either pregnant or you're not. There's nothing really to say about it, is there, Shane? 
Uh, no, not not too much. I thought there might have been an instance of offside in the earlier part of the phase of play and then again in a later part of the phase of play. Uh, but they went to the first part of phase of play. And I know some people are trying to argue that there was two separate phases of play. But really, I think it was kind of just one uh, bigger sized uh, phase. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think it's I think VAR got it right. I don't think there's too much in it aside from the momentum shift that happened. There was a giant shift in well, not uh, in momentary sort of momentum that swung in Liverpool's favor after Aspilicueta wheels off to the corner. Chelsea's like you know at full voice, fully excited, fully ready uh, to keep on going, and for it to be taken back took the wind out of their sails a bit. And it kind of led us into our our second goal. So that was that was great for that. But I I did see that influence, and I was wondering if you guys felt the same way or saw the same sort of uh, momentum shift there. Yeah, what did you think, Nash? I don't think there was a, there was that much of a momentum shift, honestly. I thought we were playing really well at that point. So I'm not really sure there was that much of a momentum shift when the goal got canceled. It probably was a huge boost for the players mentally, but I couldn't really tell on the pitch and. I mean, the second goal was a set piece, so it's really not something we constructed in open play. So it's, I really don't think it did. But once we scored that second goal, the momentum definitely shifted and we were really good till the end of the first half. And then the second half happened, which was, you know, difficult to watch. But we got the three points in the end. I could definitely see that. I think the one thing that was interesting to me was that Aspilicueta was the one to give away the foul that set up the set piece. So I was like, ooh, is he maybe a little bit frustrated that his goal got called back? But, you know, it might be just all me in my head. Well, that's interesting. I didn't notice no. that, yeah. He could be, yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that either. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it could, could well have been. But then, you know, you still need another wonderful uh, back heel to Robbo at a perfect cross for Firmino to nod it in. You've still got to score when the, when the momentum does shift, and that must have been, I mean, I don't know. We've, we've had games against us like that down the years against our rivals where they've, you know, just scored at just, just the wrong moment when we thought we were on top. And, uh, you know, while it happened against Napoli on Tuesday, we were well on top at that that point and it is a bit of a you know it's a it's a it's a punch to the guts as they say um it, it but um yeah that was a real key moment of course in in the match in terms of swinging it our way and then you could only hear the bobby Firmino song this mantra this beautiful mantra repeating uh, over and over and over again uh, at Stamford bridge and i just think this is a fabulous result 2-1 away in that first half there was a couple of key moments for Adria um the first one was a save from the one-on-one uh from Tammy Abraham and the second one was when in 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 sort of additional time there was a cross from Chelsea's left and Adrian almost spilt it and then react reacted really well to jump on it to stop them um getting one back before half time and um Mashed. I mean, that was huge, wasn't it? I mean, that you know, Adrian. There were there were lots of little moments in this match. Adrian did. I thought he, he did. He did really, really well today. Adrian has been huge since he really took over Allison. I think I think it's a great coincidence that we let go of Mignolet and Adrian came in, and somehow Allison gets injured when he's never been injured before in his career. I think so. It's a it's a wonderful coincidence. But I really thought he stepped up today again with another big game performance. 
the save from Tammy and the one on one. There was one, the one you mentioned from the cross when he did spell it, but he collected it really well. Uh, he clattered Tammy <laughs> Abraham as well, so that was funny. And I remember another save he made from Alonzo. Remember that header? It was offside, but he still made the save. So he's been massive. He's been really good. And I like his confidence. Like, even with the ball, he's been really good with the ball. Uh, like, getting it to Matip, getting it to DVD or the fullbacks. So I'm really happy with him. And he's been really, really good. And I'm just, it's sort of like a wonderful coincidence. I don't know. The start of the line for us to get Adrian in. Yeah, every week is looking like a better and better piece of business. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, who was your man of the match, Majd, uh, for today, for us? Um, because surely the man of the match was Kante overall. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Kante absolutely dominated that game. So for us, it's really between three people for me. It's either Trent, Matip, or Virgil. And I really don't know who to pick. So I'm just going to go with Trent because he... He made more of an impact because he almost won us the game with his goal. So I'm going to go with Trent for now. I, it's it's difficult to pick. I thought the defense played well. Midfield was okay. The attack was okay. So I'll go with Trent for now. What do you think? Well, for me, I would say um, simply for the way he danced through the entire Chelsea team in the 93rd minute, having stopped the mercurial Kante from possibly going through on goal again and the way that he danced and he moved like Fred Astaire through the entire Chelsea team it was it's, it's Andy Robbo so I mean you know for that moment but also just because um you know he had a pretty solid game for the uh disallowed Chelsea goal he he could have cleared the lines better and it could be an entirely different narrative but these games are all about the small details and uh, Robertson came out, you know, on top of, you know, it was it was, it was an excellent performance from him overall. Um, we've lost uh, Shane for now. He has to go and uh, just have some whiskey to calm down, probably, uh, after that game. And have a nice brandy or whatever. Good luck to you, Shane. And um, so we're going to carry on just, uh, just with you, Baz, uh, if that's okay. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to... Talk a little bit about um, Napoli last last time because we haven't reviewed that just very quickly, uh, and then talk about uh, the MK Don. So Napoli, the main thing was that uh, the the penalty incident. Talking of Robbo, now it was a tired challenge, and you could say his attempted clearance today was uh, a tired clearance from him. Um, we could talk about VAR again because. Uh, you know, that's that's something we can go on to talk about. But Robertson, despite me just giving him man for the match, are there signs of him maybe ooh, slowing down a fraction in terms of his decision-making? There could be. But I think I noticed this last season too, and I don't want to mean sound too harsh, but I thought Robertson likes to take risks, even with his tackling. I remember at the, at the Etihad last season when he... There was a challenge inside the box he he made on Sterling. It was very rash and it could have been a penalty, but he got the ball. So he, he likes to take risks with his tackles, and I get that. And there may be signs that he's slowing down a bit, and it's really difficult because we never rest him. He always plays. He always gives 100% energy. 
So it's difficult to expect him to be at 100% every single game. So I think that's just how it's going to be. Sometimes he's going to be a little off it or something. We'll have to accept that because the guy is, the guy is a machine. He works hard. And at some point, you're just going to get tired and your form is going to go up and down a little bit. So I don't know. It's, it, it seems backwards how, you know, how many errors there are so early on in the VAR system. Um, for example, today, Tammy Abraham, the um, lovely cheeky attempt at goal by, you know, with, you know, almost with, the, with his heel, a sort of, you know, little flick that he did that went through Matip's legs. Now, in this situation, the ref, of course, gave a corner. In this situation, Matip knows he hasn't touched it, right? Maybe the attacker doesn't know, he's just appealing for the corner. Uh, but Matip knows he hasn't touched it, and surely he should as well be able to signal to the manager who has a review and then they can review it because this again you're talking about binary decisions did he touch it or not he clearly didn't touch it um so that's one one change i would make um but that i don't know it just makes sense to me what do you think yeah i get that there could be like a tennis system where you get you get like three reviews a game or something and you get to use them but I think with stuff like corners and throw-ins and stuff like that, we have to accept that to make the game quicker because there are already, there's already too many stoppages with each game. I think to make the game quicker, you have to accept that the referee is just going to have to call whatever he sees in that moment. So I'm generally okay with, with the VAR only being used for red cards, penalties, or offsides. I really I have no problem with that. That's just how I see it, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Mistakes are human, as they say. But let's talk about footy, enough of the video-assisted referee, because um, our next match is the MK Don. Uh, and I was just having a quick look at them uh, a bit earlier on today. They're 15th in League One, having been promoted from League Two just uh, last season. But uh, they lost at home 1-0 to Southend in their last match. Uh, and this is the first time we're ever playing them. Um, because they were only founded in 2004. Um, most of our listeners will know that, that was a, they were sort of a, a splinter group from Wimbledon uh, when Wimbledon had to, had to move out of their old plough lane. So to preview this, I thought what we might do, Maz, just a bit of a change, is try and pick a team uh, to start, because we obviously need to change a lot. Uh, so let's try and you know, come up with a starting eleven to play uh, MK Dons and hopefully try and win. Um, so in goal, would you give Adrian a rest uh, and bring in young Kelleher, who I've seen for the reserves, and he's a heck of a talent as well. I saw his highlights in the Ireland game where he he shimmied, or he kind of went past the attacker. So I'd give the young kid a chance because honestly, this is a this is a freebie. This is a not a must win. It's a Whatever happens, happens. So I give him a chance, but I wouldn't mind seeing Adrian in goal either. So either way. So you give him a chance and you give him license to do as many Cruyff turns as he likes in the in his own box. Absolutely. Okay, great. And uh, right back. Um, ooh, we got some options, but surely Kiana Hoover, bring him in. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, Kiana for sure. Okay, central defence then. Joe Gomez. Degsy Lovren, chuck them both in for match fitness. 100%. 100%. Left back then. Ooh, 
Um, assuming he's fit, because I haven't, I haven't really checked, but Larussi, or would you drop Milner back there to give him a game at, at left back? I wouldn't drop Milner there. I think, yeah, I'll go with Larussi. Or Adam Lewis, what happened to him? He he could play left back, right? So I think Larussi got an injury maybe last week, so I'm not sure if he's fit. I can't see any news about a LaRussi injury, so I think it's okay. Let's say 50-50. We'll flip a coin at left back. In the midfield, then. Lalana in the six. You mean Jor- Jor- the English Jorginho? Absolutely. <laughs> the Lana in the six. Uh, yeah, I would as well. Why the heck not? And then um, in midfield, I mean, Kate has apparently been training. Uh, maybe have him on the bench and put... Chamberlain and Milner, uh, or would you go with something different? Yeah, what well, Ox for sure, hundred percent to start for me to get some more match fitness and hopefully maybe get a goal or something and boost his confidence. Uh, Keita Milner, I don't know. I don't, I hope I hope Naby is fit enough to play, and if he is, play him. I don't care. But if he's not, then yeah, Milner is fine. But you would think with Milner, his his options have been very limited this season. But I I still think he's a great player, um, a great player. I mean, certainly extremely useful and still very underrated. And yeah, I'll say great player still. He's uh, whatever he is, thirty two, thirty three years old now. Um, don't you think he'd be a little bit miffed if he was on the bench again, Madison? Wouldn't you want to keep him happy? Hmm, interesting. You know what? If 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 he's gonna be upset, absolutely play him. But but I think he he knows that this game is kind of a freebie, and maybe the way he could think about it is maybe it's a bit above him. I don't know. It would make sense to keep him happy and play him. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. And he's gonna do a good job. Okay. He's, he's a good player for sure. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, you know, well, we'll see. We'll see. In, you know, in Klopp, we trust. Um, going forward's quite an interesting one. I would go. Shakiri, because uh, he needs a run out. And I think, you know, I, I like him. I do, uh, especially against teams like MK Don. So he's a 100% starter for me. And then um, Rian Brewster, because the div was probably out. Uh, and on the left wing, hmm, um, who am I forgetting? Who have we got? What are our options here? It's one of the front three or Ox, because Rig is injured right now. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good a good point. And and he took Mane off with twenty minutes to go, so maybe it was it was for that reason. No, I don't think it was. I think he took him off because he he was injured or something, or he 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 was uncomfortable. Because I saw some pictures after the game, and he had like something wrapped around his his uh, thigh. He felt something, so maybe that's why. That's the only reason I can think of of taking Mane off so early. Oh gosh, oh my word. I hope I hope there's nothing in that match. Oh my lord, you've just completely panicked me. Um, Sorry, wow. I, I hope I'm wrong. So it's just a, a hunch. Like Klopp hasn't mentioned anything about it, but it, I just saw the picture after the game. So, and I saw him limping a little bit, but I hope he's okay. Oh good lord! Yes, we can't afford to lose Mane or our best players. Oh. What about Cur- Curtis Jones? Maybe he can play. Curtis Jones. Yeah. Okay. He certainly. A talented lad, 18 years old, a little bit lightweight, but that's okay, you'd think, against a League One team. Um, yeah, good call, Mast. Good call. So let's let's put, let's put him there. Good. So we've got we've got Kelleher in goal. 
or Adrian? One of them. I don't think it will matter that much. Keller, let's let's okay. give the latter a chance. Yeah, let's give the latter a chance. Keller has a goal. And then an entirely new back four, a new midfield and a new attack. And, you know, hopefully we won't go out again, but we might do it because of rhythm. Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, thank you for that. That was quite interesting to go through possibilities for the MK Dons match. Um, general stuff. Rob Robertson deactivated Twitter. And uh, the people on Twitter seem to think that that was because somebody offended him. But it might just be that he wants to focus on footy instead of social media, which would be a marvellous decision, probably. Um, did you? What did you think of that that uh, that situation, Matt? Yeah, I think a lot of people were just jumping to conclusions without knowing the real cause or anything. Because I think he actually activated it again and he posted something with Virgil yesterday so i don't think it was a non-story and people just made assumptions i didn't even see anybody abusing robo because we were just all saying that it was clearly a dive so i think just people wanted to jump to conclusions and i applaud him honestly for sometimes you just need a break from social media because maybe he's tempted to just go and look up his name and maybe find some negative stuff so it's a smart decision to get away from it for a day or two even if it's for a day or two yeah i agree bit of a non-story that one um, so, all right, we, let's just go back to the, you know, the general situation to finish there. We've, we've played six, we've won six. It's absolutely beautiful stuff. 18 points from a maximum of 18. Man City have won four, drawn one and lost one. They're on 13 points. Then it's Leicester, Arsenal, West Ham, all on 11 points. Bournemouth on 10. It really is... A two-horse race already. I mean, it's, you know, another cliche. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But you can see already, um, we're, we're both miles ahead, Liverpool and Man City. I mean, that's just clear as daylight. That is absolutely, that's as, that's as clear as my grandmother's old soup. So, yeah, look, looking forward to it. Um, we've, got, we've got Sheffield United next. Uh, they had a very good result. In their last match, they won 2-0 uh, against, uh, you know, some team called Everton. Um, are Everton just useless, Mashed? Or is there a little bit to worry about from this, you know, this tricky Sheffield United side? I do like their manager. They're absolutely useless. Everton are complete and utter rubbish. Because the funny thing is that Sheffield had one shot on target and two goals. So they they really should have trouble us. I think we'll we'll swat we'll swat them aside. We'll be fine. <laughs> oh wow! One shot and two. Oh, with the own goal by Yerry Mina. Yeah, that's true. So we they had thirty percent possession. Sheffield United. I didn't see that match. Everton seventy percent possession, and they lost two nil at home. Imagine being an Everton fan. Oh, what a nightmare! Oh, what a nightmare! Um, but yes, <laughs> but you know we're away from home. I do like their manager, as I say. They 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 they're quite well, you know. They're well organised. They've got this funky system with their centre backs, where they play sort of attacking centre backs. Uh, apparently, though, I haven't seen very much of them. But they're up to tenth in the league on eight points, the same amount as Burnley, the same amount as Tottenham, Man United. Crystal Palace and Chelsea. That's crazy, isn't it? Man United, another one who are rubbish. 
Um, this is great. Tottenham, we're leaving them all behind. They're all on eight points. We've got 18 points. So we're 10 points ahead of them already. Maz, this is crazy, isn't it? But this is this is our year, surely, already. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're setting records and we're breaking records and we're absolutely setting the standard right now. And these teams behind us are pretty rubbish. Like City, City are the only team that can consistently challenge us. And I... And I know people were worried about Spurs, but I genuinely wasn't at the beginning of the season. I knew they were, they were going to be in that top four battle because their squad isn't as good as us in City and their manager isn't as good as ours in City. So it's really, it's really, it's really nice to see them all struggling, honestly. It's sort of funny to me. It is nice because it's usually us. Or it, it was a, many years ago, it feels like now, but it wasn't many years ago. Just before Kloppo joined, we'd be struggling, uh, you know, at this stage a lot of the time. So it's, 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 it's absolutely lovely. And we're going we're gonna to leave our chat there, Nash. But thank you so, so much for joining me. And thanks to Shane, who was there earlier before he just couldn't handle it and had to go and have a nice drink or two to calm himself down. So... You know, thank you so much, Majd, um, uh, for joining me. And, uh, yeah, I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Hopefully five wins for our next five games as well. <laughs> that would be amazing. So there we are, dear, cherished, adored sunbeam of a listener. Thank you for being with us uh, all the way to the end of another episode of Carpon. Uh, in case you weren't aware by now, Carpon is a podcast dedicated to the worldwide Liverpool FC family. So please do send us your comments to coponpodcast at gmail.com. My name's Owen, and uh, I've actually got to move home next week, so I'll try and bring you an episode um, next weekend, but if not, um, very soon after. Thank you so, so much again. Thoroughly appreciate it. And whoever you are, wherever you are, Have a lovely time, be be it day, night, whatever. Uh, Perhaps you're in another dimension, but as long as you're a Liverpool fan, you're welcome. And Liverpool are probably, wherever you are, still top of the league.